Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hey, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I want to talk to you guys about one of the most important things that can be done in a relationship when it comes to coming back together. And one thing to keep in mind is that when couples learn how to effectively repair the damage that takes place, that is one of the hallmarks of a healthy couple. There's a researcher by the name of John Gottman, and he says it's not a matter of do couples get into arguments or frustration or moments of disconnection. He said that happens to everybody. That's There's no way around that. He said that the problem, though, is that couples who find themselves distressed and end up cycling in these negative patterns over and over and over again, the problem is that they don't know how to come back together and repair the damage that's taken place, which will inevitably happen. But the hallmark of a healthy couple is one, it's not that they don't get in arguments, is is that they do know how to come back together and resolve the argument that has taken place. There's a couple of different aspects of this process. And the one that I want to highlight I would say there's a few different aspects of being able to come back together. Number one, you've got to identify the this, this stuck place, identify the cycle. What was it that happened underneath the surface? What triggered the emotional response? What was the response? And coming back together to then apologize and share in a different way. And so there's a handful of different steps to this. The one that I want to focus on today is what does a proper apology look like? And the reason why this is so important is because this is what helps to create closure. And unless you have closure, this is one of the reasons I was, I had a phone call today with somebody, uh, a session where he's entering a new relationship and he's telling me that in his previous relationship, they always got into the same fights over and over and over again. And he said that his girlfriend at the time was never able to just let something go. And the thing that I told him was that the reason why people bring up the past is because it's unresolved. And if something feels unresolved, they're going to continue to bring it up, not in an attempt usually, it's not in an attempt to make the other person feel bad, though it can feel like that. Really, the reason why somebody continues to bring up the past is because they have not yet achieved a sense of closure or feel like it's actually resolved. So if you're in a situation right now in your relationship where you or your partner or your husband or your spouse or wife, if they bring up the past or if you bring up the past, it's likely because you have not experienced a sense of closure. And one of the things that you might need is a proper apology. So I want to walk you through the steps of what that looks like to actually have an apology that can create a resolution to truly help you guys move forward and not keep getting stuck bringing up the same old things which can just erode the sense of optimism or confidence that the relationship is going in the right direction. And so again, there's good reasons why people bring up the past. And so in order to create closure, it just involves a few different steps. Number one, a good apology, the the center, the core of what a good apology contains is that it's focused on the pain of the other person. We can feel sad that our pain has caused that our actions have caused pain to our our spouse or somebody else. It doesn't have to be a spouse. It can be any relationship. This applies to any relationship. 
And so when it's centered on the pain of the other person, that's the thing that needs to be in place or else they'll continue to bring it up because without an acknowledgement, so the first step is to identify or acknowledge the fact that the other person is in pain and they're hurting and they need some attention to resolve the issue that they're struggling with. And so once you acknowledge that that the other person's in pain, the next part of it is to validate and to reflect the fact that you understand that they're hurting. So acknowledgement and then validating the pain is such a critical step because without a validation of the pain, without, so in other words, what that look like, what that looks like is if somebody were to, I, I almost think about it like a mirror, right? If somebody tells you something, you reflect that back. If they say, hey, I'm really hurt by this thing, then you can reflect or respond and say something like, I, I can see that you've been really hurt by this thing. I understand that you're hurting. And it's not some like, I don't know, like uh, insincere reflective listening technique. That's not what we're talking about. We genuinely want to try to step into and recognize and empathize with the pain that the other person is going through. So instead of it just being some monotone, emotionless, hey, I'm really hurt by this. Whoa, I can see that you're hurt by this. That's not really what we're going for. So the words might not be so important as much as the feeling that's there. So if the other person says, I'm really sad by this, and you say, like, I'm sorry that you're sad. Can you tell me what's happening for you? What happened? What what was the thing that hurt your feelings the most? And then they can tell you. And then you can say, you know what, if if that happened to me, or if I took it like that as well, you know, I'd I'd have my feelings hurt too. I could see how that would hurt your feelings. So the next part of after you acknowledge and validate the pain of the other person, and that doesn't, there's a couple of things that make this difficult for people. And I want to go over these at the end of the process. Sometimes when people apologize, they end up feeling, or when sometimes when a spouse tells the other person, hey, that really hurt my feelings, then the other person shuts down or starts to get defensive or blames them or minimizes or avoids those conversations. There's a reason why these kinds of discussions can go in a negative direction. So I want to cover those, but I first want to finish this process of what does it look like? So acknowledging, validating, and then simply being able to say those words of, I'm sorry. You know, I did that thing, or I recognize that that hurt your feelings. I'm really sorry that that did. That wasn't my intention. I don't mean for you to feel bad. I really do care about you. And then so after you do those three steps, acknowledge, validate, apologize, and then you can make some kind of a commitment. So if I were to break this down into four steps, right? The third step is an apology back and some reassurance that the other person matters. And then the fourth step is to make a commitment and say, you know what, if that hurt your feelings, then I'm not going to say that to you anymore. I don't want to, I don't want you to feel bad because that isn't my intention. I really do care about you. And so I'm not going to be doing that thing again, or I'm going to work really hard to not do that or not say that anymore. And because I, again, I don't want to hurt your feelings. So I want to give you some examples of this first before we then talk about how this can go wrong because it, it can and it often does for a lot of couples. And so it's really important that you recognize why it, that's happening, why things are going wrong, and then putting in place whatever it is that you need, depending on what's going wrong, putting something in place to make sure that it doesn't continue to happen. Because again, the repair is such a critical aspect of couples 
sustaining and feeling connected with one another. And so uh, I'm thinking about an example. So I'll even use a personal example. So I can't remember exactly the context. I remember where we were when when it happened because I was so stunned by it. We were getting ready to, we parked in the parking lot. We were going out to eat, my wife and I. And she was telling me something in the car, something that she kind of feels insecure about. I can't even honestly remember what it was. It was something along along the lines of like her doing something or thinking something or feeling something and then taking it to mean I'm a bad person. Maybe it was what had to do with our kids. Like she would, if she, ah, I can't remember something about, let's just say, okay, let's just use an example of, let's say she loses her temper with our kids and she usually doesn't. She's, she's very good at, she's an excellent mom and excellent moms still lose their tempers, but that's not one of the areas that she struggles with. So let's just say she loses her temper and she said something about how, you know, that makes me feel bad when I do that. And then for me, I take that and I'm like, yeah, that, you know, I get that. And then like a couple of minutes later, I make some joke about people who, again, this is, I'm losing the the, the fuzziness. One of the cool things as a quick sidebar is that when there is closure the brain doesn't have to continue to repeat over and over again. We stop replaying things mentally. You know those conversations that you have over and over and over again in your head or you have this some event that happens or an exchange or a, an interaction with somebody that then you think about for the next two weeks like, oh, I wish I would have said this and I wish I would have done this and why did that thing happen? When the brain, when when we create closure, the brain stops looping. One of the reasons why we loop in those patterns over and over is because we're trying to create some closure. If we can think through, oh, well, if I responded this way, then this wouldn't have happened and this wouldn't and then this wouldn't have happened. Our brain ultimately is trying to seek closure. And so just again, as a sidebar, as I'm just reflecting, I can't remember all the details of this. And a part of it is because we did create closure. And so Again, just, just if we stick with the examples, the details aren't important. But she says something about how I feel bad about when I interact like this with our kids. It makes me feel bad. It makes me feel like I'm a bad mom. And then I'll try to reassure her and say, no, like everybody does that. Some, everybody loses their temper or everybody drops the ball sometimes or they come down too hard on their kids. That doesn't make you a bad parent. That just means that you're in maybe an overwhelmed state. You lost your temper. And then just go back and apologize and repair. And so we talk about that. And then a couple of minutes later, I make a joke and I, it had something to do. It was like so far-fetched. Like for me, it was a very sarcastic remark because it was so untrue. It, it might have been something like, oh, well, uh, it, it's, it was something along the lines of her being a bad mom. And I've told her on multiple occasions that out of all of the roles that she plays, her very best one is that of being a parent. And so I made a joke about being a bad mom because I felt like it was so far-fetched and it was so obvious that I was joking because of how highly I think of her, especially in that regard, that I said this thing, not even thinking twice about it, and then she starts to cry. And then instantly I'm like, honey, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that at all. That was completely a joke. And then she kind of shuts down and doesn't want to talk about it. And I did not want to let this go. And so I didn't like, okay, just take a few minutes. Number one, I guess where we were, we were in the parking lot. We're ready to to walk in. We had gotten out of the car. She's standing there like weeping. 
So I feel horrible because it was completely unintentional. It was a stupid joke. Can't even remember what the joke was, but it was for me such an obvious joke because I really do think she's a good mom. So I said something about the opposite of that. Oh, like uh, some, something about bad mom. So I could have just said, again, this is where I, I try to practice what I preach. And though I'm not perfect, this is, I guess, one example where I did get it right. And so I said, hey, I recognize that that really hurt your feelings. Instead of me saying, well, ah, that wasn't a big deal or you shouldn't feel bad. And I roll my eyes of, oh, like you're going to get sad about this. It was just a joke. Why do you take everything so personally? You're, you're too sensitive, right? Sometimes that happens when couples are, you know, when couples do get their feelings hurt. <clears throat> and so knowing these steps and having had practice with this, it gets easier and easier as you have practice. And so... I apologize and I said, hey, I recognize that that really hurt your feelings. Where I was coming from was that was just a sarcastic remark. It was just a stupid joke. And I thought it was that, I thought it was just so obvious that it was a joke because of how highly I think of you as a parent. And so I recognize that that really hurt your feelings. And I, I, I do apologize. I don't want you to feel bad. And so I'm going to work really hard on not saying these jokes that are sarcastic, that have the potential to hurt your feelings, because that's not my intention at all. And if you don't think that it's a funny joke, then it's not even worth, number one, it's not even, it's not even worth me telling it, because I do it to just kind of play around and have fun with you. But number two, if it has the potential to hurt your feelings, then that's the last thing that I want to do. Therefore, I'm not going to I'm, I'm going to work really hard and not do these little sarcastic jokes that come off in a cutting way. And so as we talk about that, and when you walk through these steps of an apology, it literally can take like 60 seconds. And the power behind this, the thing that, ha that has the most power is that obviously when you mean it, and you say these words with meaning, and you're looking at the other person. For me, an apology needs to contain an element of touch. I'm just such a, a, a love, my touch, my love language is touch so much. And so if she were to say, I'm sorry from across the room and go through all of these steps, it would still feel like it falls short. Because for me, that's a very important element. And so for me, I and that's, I guess, uh, you know, we try to, ideally, we are giving the other person we are, we are interacting with our spouse in a way that makes them feel loved. And so um, for me, I try to give an apology and I do the things that she might need. And so I try to be very sincere and I look in her eyes and I don't flippantly say these words. I'm trying to be genuine because I am. And so I gave her a hug. I said these words and literally 60 seconds, you know, one, two minutes later, we go into the restaurant and then we move forward. And so she she doesn't bring that event up anymore. We've had closure. I committed to her that I'm not going to be saying these jokes anymore. And I've done a very good job of not doing these things because I know the impact that they have. And so if I want to joke around with her, then I just won't make her the subject of that. Even if there's just like sarcastic banter back and forth. I've learned and that's not the first time that that's happened. It's happened a couple of times, a few different times. And after that reaction, after I saw how deeply that hurts her, something clicked. 
And this is, again, the power of being vulnerable because when somebody is vulnerable and they truly do express the pain that they're in, it shifts something in the other person. And so in the past, if she said, hey, can you please not say those jokes? I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. And largely it's unintentional. And it's, well, I, I wouldn't even say largely. It's always unintentional when I hurt her feelings. I'm not maliciously trying to say things that just negatively affect her. And so after she shared with me how deeply this hurt, and, I, and when I saw her hurting, again, there's a shift that takes place inside of the other person where I was able to truly recognize the effect of this. And then there is a decision made, a commitment made for me internally of like, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I haven't. And so I think that's the benefit of having these exchanges when couples, when you guys hurt your feelings, hurt the other person's feelings. Again, this is going to happen. It's unintentional. I said that joke, not even thinking twice that it would negatively affect her. But because it did, and because I saw that, I was able to walk through these steps, apologize, we move forward, we create closure. She doesn't bring that up. So I wanted to share with you guys the steps to be able to do this. And again, the most important part of this is the the the, the truly the intention and the the sincerity of this. And when you do this, you can again create closure for big things and small things. And so you might think, well, that's kind of a small thing. And I've tried to do this before and it didn't work. And she still brings it up or he still brings up the past and says this thing. The way to truly create closure are these steps, but for bigger things, it often can take repetition. It can take lots of reassurance because when bigger things happen, it creates a deeper wound that then starts to affect somebody on a belief level. So what I mean by this, let's go back to my example. So I, I made this, you know, I made this comment about her being a bad mom. If I were to have said something or done something that really landed on that part of her, an ins- like if that created an insecurity in her, that now she really does believe that she's a bad mom and she thinks that I believe that, now it's a deeper wound because it's affected her like I almost like an identity statement, this I am, I am a bad mom. Instead of I made a bad decision, it becomes an identity statement. Those then require more attention. They require more reassurance and they require repetition. So if you've done this process and the other person still brings up the past or still talks about the hurt that they're in, and this can happen in a lot of times when it comes to addiction or when it comes to infidelity or broken trust, the other person brings up the past because they're still hurting. That doesn't mean that you're not making progress. So let's put it in the context of addiction. So if he acts out or if there's infidelity or again, some other major breach of trust, she can, you guys can be making progress together and be on the path to healing and moving forward with one another. And then one day she might get triggered and bring up the past again. A lot of times that can be very discouraging to the husband. And I hope that you hear this, especially for the women. I don't want you to not bring it up. I encourage you to bring it up. If it's there, we want to bring it up, not for the purpose of hanging it over the other person's head, which again is not usually the case, for the purpose of creating closure and working through the pain in that moment. It's so important that you do bring it up. And Sometimes when 
people get stuck in those loops of continually bringing them up, there's usually two th- one of two things happening. Number one, it has not been resolved. Uh, maybe three things. Number one, it hasn't been properly resolved. In other words, the apology has not been sincere. It's It's been deflected or minimized or avoided or the other person shuts down or they start the husband starts to feel bad and then withdraws. If the pain is not properly acknowledged and reassured, it will resurface. So we want to bring it up, but have the tools. We want the husband to have the tools to be able to repair and apologize properly. And when his feelings get hurt, for the wife to have the same tools. And so for a couple of reasons, this will keep coming up if it's more of a major breach. That being one of them. Number two, if changes haven't been made. So if I were to continue to say these dumb jokes and hurt my wife's feelings, she's going to keep bringing it up because I keep doing the thing that's hurting her. So we need to make changes once we recognize the impact of our our behavior or our decisions in order to stop the pain. We want to stop we want to stop adding more pain. And then number three, somebody can bring up the past and get stuck in these loops because they just need more reassurance. Again, these deeper level injuries on an emotional level, especially if they start to affect our beliefs, need a lot more attention. A scratch on your skin does not require the same amount of energy and attention as a broken bone. And so it is with emotional wounds, with this joke that I told and us us having a foundation where I've reassured her in the past of how much, how highly I think of her as a parent, that helps to soften what happens, you know, in the present. It helps to soften these interactions that we have. But if I were to say something or do something that really cut on an even deeper level, it would just require more attention. And repetition and reassurance specifically around the area where they feel insecure. So if I were to do and say something that really cut on a deeper level for her, I would need to continue to reassure her that she is a good mom because that's where the insecurity is If in that, in that particular example. And so it is with the examples in your relationships. If, there, if it goes deeper, we just need more repetition then. You need to focus on stopping the behavior truly acknowledging and following through with these steps that we've outlined today and then repetition this is what will ultimately heal those wounds so they don't keep coming back now i want to speak just for a few minutes on how this can go wrong what are the ways in which this there are blocks that can come up the most common block maybe this is the one that i'll speak on actually uh, the most common block is if the wife shares how bad she feels, the husband then takes it personally and then starts to beat himself up and sink into his own shame. So what I mean by that is, instead of him thinking, you know what, that was a bad decision. In my case, honey, you know what, that was a stupid thing for me to say. I'm really sorry. I did not take it personally and think, oh, like I'm a bad husband because I said this thing to my wife that hurt her feelings. I'm a bad husband. I'm a bad person. It didn't go to my identity. I was able to see it through a lens of this is not who I am. This is a decision that I made. And those, I cannot underscore how important that distinction is. Shame is 
when you take it on and make it personal about you. And if you can just acknowledge that was a decision that you made, it was an action or an approach that hurt the other person, then you can you can be centered in that and not fall into, again, feeling bad and beating up on yourself and withdrawing or avoiding. Because when we make it about ourselves, and if a husband, in this case, were to take it on himself, where he does something or he acts out or there's been a breach of trust, and he then tells himself, well, because I did this thing, I'm a bad guy. And every time I see my wife cry, I feel horrible about myself. That is the number one reason why apologies can start to disintegrate. These kinds of interactions can go south quickly because the husband feels so bad about himself because of what he's done. So in order to avoid that from happening is first to acknowledge that it does happen and acknowledge the reason why. Because if he doesn't know why he's feeling bad and all he knows is that when his wife brings up something that has hurt her, he starts to shut down and avoids those types of conversations, they will be stuck for such a long time feeling disconnected. She's going to feel completely unimportant and unloved because her husband doesn't, in her eyes, want to hear anything that she has to say about her pain. And it's important to clarify, it's not that the husbands don't care. It feels like that in the moment because of how they're reacting. But the reason why they're reacting is because it feels so bad for them to feel horrible about themselves because of the pain that it caused her. So we don't want that to continue to happen. And so the way through this is for them to start to recognize the truth is that they are not a bad person because what they've done. It's a decision that hurt the other person. It's an action. It's an approach. That's not who you are. If you make a bad decision or you say something that's hurtful, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. Again, I want to emphasize this separation between those two things. So when you start to acknowledge and recognize that, you can then stay centered and make it all about, in again, in this case, all about your wife. Or if it's the other way around and the wife hurts the husband's feelings, she can then make it all about him in that moment. But the goal is truly to make the conversation about the person who has been hurt. Make it all about that person in there and, and, and make the center of the conversation about them and their pain. And that's when these apologies go well. Going back to my example, if I were to have done any of those things and just minimize or roll my eyes and, oh, you're too sensitive and are you serious? This was just a joke. That can happen when things when when there when there's lots of disconnection in the relationship right if it's another moment of when our feel our partner's feelings get hurt then we start to get like oh this is again we start it, it starts to wear on how we see a situation but recognizing when we respond with empathy and compassion and truly make it about the other person's pain these conversations can take minutes instead of cycling in these unproductive conversations for hours. I guess that's another reason I can touch on briefly. The number one reason why these conversations go poorly is because the person takes it personally, makes it about them and how horrible of a person that they are, 
and then they sink in their shame and end up withdrawing, which leaves the other person feeling even worse because they open up and are vulnerable, but then they're not met with any type of reassurance or acknowledgement or acceptance. So now they feel like they're hung out to dry and they feel worse. And I guess briefly, the other reason why these conversations go poorly or don't happen at all is because I guess it's a branch off that first one because some people think, well, this is just like, it's going to, I don't want to fight. This is going to take hours. We're going to end up getting into a fight. She's going to tell me about how bad she feels. Then we're going to fight about it for the next two hours. It's not going to get resolved. So I don't even want to approach that. I don't even want to ask her how she's doing or how she's feeling because I know if she's in a bad place, it's going to lead to a fight or a two hour you know, a two hour discussion that's going to end in frustration and it's not going to make a difference. So the more you guys can master these steps and acknowledge and apologize. And again, going through these steps, just briefly acknowledge there's pain, validate the pain, apologize, and then recommit, apologize and reassure, and then recommit or make a commitment to do it differently. This is how you're going to be able to resolve these discussions in minutes and come back together feeling even stronger because when there's closure, we get even closer. So anytime somebody brings up a hurt feeling or a pain in a vulnerable way, that is an opportunity to truly get the relationship even closer, which can help people feel like they're making progress even more so. So I would encourage you, if you guys are struggling and you have things from the past that are hurting, I would encourage you to both listen to this episode so you have the same framework and then try to have those discussions where you can go back, resolve them, and truly move forward and recognize that sometimes you need to have multiple conversations and even if you say the same things but have the feeling of sincerity behind it, that's all that needs to be there. So I would encourage you guys to give this a shot and think about, I would encourage you rather to even start with a smaller thing, right? If you start with the most major trauma that's experienced in the relationship, you might want to build up some muscle memory first, but it's the same steps, whether it's a major or a minor thing. I would just encourage you to start with maybe a more minor or a a lower level thing as you build up to more of the most impactful things in the relationship. And that'll help you guys move forward and feel more and more confident that it's possible to resolve these issues which then makes it easier to talk about the next time. So I hope that helps. And I look forward to hearing about your guys' progress. I love hearing the emails. I get emails people from, from people talking about, you know, whether it's questions or, or wins, which I love to hear. And I look forward to seeing that you, the progress that you guys make with these tools here. So hopefully that helps. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.